Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 171 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are having a fantastic start to your day. So today's podcast topic is actually an episode that I've been wanting to do for a long time because I know that a lot of clinicians lean toward introversion. Again, nothing at all if you lean more toward extroversion. But um, I know that being introverted or leaning toward introversion tends to pose challenges. And so today's episode is all about non-traditional marketing if you do tend to lean toward introversion. My guest today is Patricia Young. Patricia is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, her website is at patriciayounglcsw.com. And we are talking about a range of different things. So we're going to start out by talking about just the word marketing and how for someone that particularly leans toward introversion, the thought of marketing and hearing that word can bring up so much fears. And what do we do with those fears? And how do we get to a place as someone that leans more toward introversion of just honoring who we are and still saying that we can market and present our businesses in ways that feel authentic to us? And then we're going to wrap up where Patricia and I are just going to go really deep into three non-traditional ways of marketing. Uh, some of these, I was like, oh, I heard it and I was like, I would love to do that. That sounds amazing. But I, I just hadn't thought of it in the moment. And so I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and... I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. 
Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Patricia Young from PatriciaYoungLCSW.com. Hi, Patricia. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. It's so great to be here. It's so wonderful. I was telling you this before we started, but it was, it's just so wonderful to actually connect with you. We've connected a lot online, I feel like, over the last months, years maybe. But this is nice to actually you know, do a podcast conversation. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. I just love the work that you're doing, Melvin. This topic, when you had broached it, I was like, you're the perfect person for this because as a fellow introvert, the thought of marketing and I don't know, even I have a hard time with the word marketing. Like even every time I say it, it's still kind of, I get this like slight chill in my, in my backbone. And uh, I'm looking forward to a conversation just around what are, you know, the world's understanding of marketing and then how can someone that leans more toward introversion, how can we market in a way that is effective, but maybe not traditional? Mm -hmm. I wanted to start like right at the top, which is the word marketing brings fear into the hearts and eyes of many introverts. Um, What was it like for you? when you first heard that word and had to think about marketing your practice? Um, It made me want to poke my eyeballs out (laughs) and the world feels a little too peopley to me. It it was very intimidating. And um, when I think about it in terms of marketing, that just doesn't, it just feels really hard when I think about it in terms of marketing. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you and I are both podcasters and actually next week is podcast movement, which is the big conference. And I'm excited to like connect with other podcasters, but there is this other part of me, you know, because it is going to be this relationship building. So like, I'm kind of terrified. And I even have noticed at these conferences that I'll tend to, you know, kind of hold back a little bit. And I definitely need like my one-on-one time or personal time. So it's the overstimulation, you know, over arousal and overstimulation. So I totally hear you. I have a hunt. I have a theory. I don't know if this is like even accurate, but I feel like a lot of marketing is geared, like traditional marketing methods are geared toward more folks that lean toward extroversion. I think our culture is geared for people that are extroverts. And even the language that we use around introverts is pretty negative. And so, yeah, marketing is also, I I totally agree with you. When you said there's, you know, like the language around introversion and marketing for introverts, what sort of things have you heard? I mean, I can definitely share some of the things that I've heard, but I'm curious to hear from you. Well, I think we use the word shy, quiet, reserved, you know, too meek, uh, you know, things like that, that the languaging around introverts is very negative where the languaging around extroverts, they're jovial, they're fun, they're outgoing, they're the life of the party, where we don't have language that really appreciates the depth of processing and picking up on subtle details, the ability to connect, the ability to form really deep relationships. Those aren't words that we associate with introverts, but you know, our introverts are the deep thinkers that make these great connections in the world. I'm not saying extroverts don't, but 
we don't give enough press time to this, the strengths of introverts. Yeah, no, it's really interesting you, you said that because on my Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly when I took that test the first time reading through and I was like, man, this is so accurate. And then I also remember in subsequent encounters having not like shame or embarrassment about being an INFJ, but more of, you know, like going to like events and seeing how bubbly and, you know, and energized folks were. And I was like, man, I wish I could do that. Like, I almost felt like something was wrong with me. Well, and I think with introverts, because we pick up on subtle details, and I have to be transparent with you, Melvin, I'm a highly sensitive, really, I just found out I'm an extrovert, a highly sensitive extrovert. But the qualities are very similar if you're highly sensitive and you're an extrovert to being a non-HSP introvert. And I totally just lost my train of thought. Uh, You were saying you just found out you were a highly sensitive extrovert. I remembered what I said. It's what you said prior to. Oh, I just said, um, (laughs) I remember being an INFJ and just feeling some sort of like embarrassment. Right, right. So, you know, there's really this fine line between labels and having information that really helps us to validate who we are and then not getting stuck in the labels. So I totally agree with you when I found out about introverts because I don't really like going out. I don't like being in big crowds. I connection is really important to me, but it's got to be in a venue that's small and intimate and comfortable. I love connecting with people, but it's got to be with a select few people or just one-on-one. And so it can be so validating when you have this information about yourself, because again, I think as introverts, we're really perceptive, you know, well, I'm not an introvert, but when I thought I was, we watch and observe what goes on in the world, which is why introverts always are labeled, can often be labeled as shy because they want to take in everything, kind of get the lay of the land before they're ready to jump in. And when they're comfortable, they warm up and really connect where the extroverts, you know, are just ready to jump into the party. So as an introvert, if you're watching and observing what everybody else is doing, it's so easy to compare. And when we compare, we usually feel like we're less than, and that's been my experience. So the balance is figuring out why you are the way you are, but then figuring out the hacks around it so that the label doesn't define you and limit you, but you figure out ways to get that connection, that reaching out, that social time without having it be too much and then taking the time that you need to recharge. And I think that's what the key is, is not getting overstimulated and making sure that you have enough time to recharge because introverts get drained by being around people. Right. No, that all of that makes sense. Even as you were saying, I had this moment of insight, which is, you know, sometimes we can look at people and as, you know, they may be connecting with multiple people at one time full of energy. Like we see that, right? That's like a tangible expression of something. But for someone that may lean toward more extroversion, for example, or maybe an HSP, then it's like the process is happening internally for them, right? And Mm -hmm. so maybe not like tangibly see that until a certain point where they feel like they've gathered data, the connection has been formed, those kind of things. Right. And oftentimes introverts are labeled as being standoffish or awkward or not social or not, you know, they're seen as distant and it's not that at all. It's just the introverts need a little bit more time to stand on the edge to get the lay of the land. And once they're comfortable, they jump in, but all the negative judgment and labeling really makes it challenging for introverts to feel like they can have their process. And when they're ready, they will engage just as much as anybody else. I had this question, which I imagine a lot of folks listening are 
wondering and thinking about, which is how did you get to a place of owning that you can market in a way that aligns with who you are and that feels authentic to you? It's a process. You know, there are times when I feel the words that I use are expansive, meaning I'm in a place where I'm able to do more reaching out and connecting, especially with people that I don't know in new and familiar situations. Mm. And then I have times when I contract, which is I need time to be quiet. I need time to recharge. And part of it is, is starting to recognize when I'm feeling expansive and when I'm needing more quiet time and to take advantage of the rhythms that I have and to honor the rhythms that I have, because it's not uncommon for me to do some marketing and then I'll pull back for the next week or two. And maybe on my to-do list, I thought I would be able to do more, but to really have a lot of self-compassion and honor that this is what I need to restore and that my rhythm is going to look different. And it's hard, Melvin. You know, I've got a to-do list that feels like it's five miles long and I'm never going to get everything done on it. Mm. But having that radical self-compassion has been so important to just focus on what is it that I did today? And the tendency is to look at everything that I haven't done and to beat myself up. It doesn't help. It doesn't get me anywhere. It doesn't make me feel good. So it's almost a daily practice of focusing on, you know, what is it that I did today? And can I feel good about that and trust that the process, things will get done when they need to, the marketing will get done when it needs to, and to just be okay with that. That's such a good way of putting it. I struggle with to-do lists as well. Uh, we're, as you know, like we're reading that book, The One Thing mm-hmm. in the STC directory community. And there's a chapter in that book, which was just very eye-opening for me with to-do lists. So mm-hmm. he says, instead of to-do lists, you should have a success list. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is that, right? And, but it's this simple idea of instead of writing down everything and then assuming that everything has equal importance, what we actually do is focus like on three things and then categorize those things. And I guess his big question is, or the question that he poses is, what is the one thing I can do today such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think in that, what I just kept thinking was, I'm so hard on myself like you when I don't complete what I need to. And when I see this, and I get really anxious and, and stressed out when I see a expanding uh, to-do list. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's a big part of this has just been having a lot of self-compassion and saying, you know what, I don't have to knock out 50 things because all 50 of these things don't have equal priority, mm-hmm. but I can just focus on the few things. And even if I don't get done, maybe just having, like you said, self-compassion and radical acceptance of who I am, you know, and yeah. that I'm striving. I'm not having gotten there, but you know. Right. And there is no function in beating ourselves up. For some reason in our culture, we think that, you know, be hard on yourself and beat yourself up. And it's like, you don't get anything more done. You don't feel any better about yourself. You certainly wouldn't yell at a child that they didn't get everything done and you wouldn't make them feel terrible. So what is this compulsion that we have to continue to do this to ourselves? It just doesn't work. Right. I love that phrase you used earlier of honor the rhythm of Mm -hmm. of our lives. Um, That's just such a beautiful way of saying it. You said that you have begun to recognize when you expand and when you contract, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of break it down into two parts. We'll tackle the first part, the expansion. So what are signs or how do you know that you're in a place where you're ready to sort of expand and think about, you know, marketing and reaching out to folks? My energy goes up. I always have a need for connection, but I seem to be more willing to like, oh, I'll just shoot that email off. I'll just make that phone call. Mm. Before I understood about 
you know, my rhythms, every time I got to this place where I had energy and was reaching out, it kind of felt like I finally arrived mm-hmm. and thinking that that was the expectation. And then when it didn't last long, I'd get inc- incredibly disappointed <laughs> because I thought I'd finally arrived and it didn't last long. But now that I know that, it, you know, it's like riding a wave when the expanse of time comes, I enjoy the energy, the appreciation, the gratitude. And then when the more contracting times come, I just kind of ride them through and know that they're not going to last forever and work on projects that, you know, don't require as much outgoing energy from me. This, it sounds like it's this combo of recognizing when you're getting that energy, but then also recognizing when the whole intent is not to get that energy and keep it as long as you can, right? It's actually honoring the fact that the energy will has these ebbs and flows. Yeah. And to be honest with you, Melvin, I don't know that I figured out how to master whether I'm in an expansive place or contracting. I do know that I just came back from a four-day retreat for highly sensitive therapists. And I don't know if the expectation of being around people and really wanting to be present allowed me to harness that energy and pull it up. Like, I can't definitively say when I've got the energy and when I don't, it feels like it's a little bit more of a whack-a-mole situation. And I just take it as it comes. The other side of that, the contraction, like what are signs that you know that you actually may need a little bit more rest and it's maybe not the time to jump out and and market and those kind of things? Sometimes in the moment I can tell. I did a a marketing get together with some highly sensitive therapists for a meetup for dinner recently Mm. and I could kind of tuned in and was able to see like I'm getting tired and if I don't leave now, it's going to burn me out and it's going to take me a couple days to recover. So I was able to say, hey, you guys, I'm I'm realizing that I need to go. When I take downtime, it's finding that balance between having restoration, but enough contact because as a highly sensitive extrovert, I need that connection. And I used to think that I needed to not have any connection and then I'd get kind of depressed and listless and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting replenished. Hmm. So again, it's just about figuring out in the moment. I, I really don't feel like it's something that I have extreme mastery over. I'm definitely a work in progress. When you realize that your energy was draining and you were getting more tired during that dinner, I think I would have the pull of like FOMO, you know, if you're missing out. Yeah. Right? If I don't stay a little bit longer, what if they say something or, you know, and I imagine, I don't know if you had that sort of pull or, but if you did, like, how did you hold that? And just say, you know what, I need to listen to my body and honor where I am. I don't know if it's something about getting older, Melvin, but it just feels like it's a lot easier for me to say what's going on for me and to just know that that's what it is. And honestly, I think the fear that if I overstayed, the chance of the burnout and not being able to do anything for the next couple of days felt more important. And then I heard something great. It's called JOMO the joy of missing out. Hmm. And I think that's a great reframe, especially for people that, you know, can take so much stimulation and then need some time that, you know, it's a joy to be able to go home and replenish so that I can get up and do what I need to do the next day. Right. Jomo. Jomo. (laughs) (laughs) It's not original. I borrowed it. No, it's so good though. It gives you permission, you know, just to be yourself. Well, and it's that reframe, you know, again, as an introvert thinking, how come everybody else is having this great life and I can't? And the reframe is we get joy from having time on our own. We go out, we connect, and then we need to pull back. And so instead of the fear, how about the joy of having time to replenish and do things that are feeling really nurturing so that we feel like we can go and continue to do the work we're meant to do? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I wanted to kind of wrap up our conversation with really practical 
things. So what are three non-traditional ways of marketing that you found helpful? And we'll kind of just dive a little bit deeper into each of those. Sure. I've done meetups that are not traditional. I've gone kayaking a couple times with people for a first-time meetup. I've met for a walk. I met with a therapist and we took a walk and then we took a yoga class together. It was a really nice way to connect and do something that was enjoyable and replenishing for both of us. Mm. And people seem to enjoy it. Yeah, you don't feel that pressure to, you know, initiate the conversation because it's around an activity, right? If anything, you could talk about the activity. Right. And I think as introverts, sometimes it's nice if we have a little bit of structure. I think extroverts love the connection with people. We're introverts. What I find, well, I love what you've said all, all along is, you know, finding that place of service. And I think that introverts also have a sense of loyalty and being very conscientious. And so if there's a task at hand, if the goal is to connect socially, that can feel intimidating. But if there's a task in mind to find out what the other person needs, where can I be of service to them? How can I be a resource to them? That I think that when there's a task, then that social anxiety tends to dissipate because we're really good taskmasters. That's awesome. So one is meet up over an activity. Um, mm -hmm. Any other ones that have been helpful? Facebook. Social media, I have a love-hate relationship with. Oh, but me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I may need to go to a 12-step group for uh, electronic and social media addiction, but, but we can talk about that another time. But I've really found tremendous resources in the Facebook community. And what I would suggest is find groups that are of interest to you if you need to kind of lurk for a little while and not respond until you get the lay of the land. But I formed some really deep relationships with people. I was asked, my first podcast I was asked to be on because I responded to somebody's questions in a Facebook group about something and they invited me to be on their podcast. Mm -hmm. I've gotten referrals from other therapists. From being on Facebook, I've started a couple of online groups to get support around what I need. So I really think that there are great ways that you can use Facebook to make those connections, even as an introvert. No, absolutely. I think like a really practical thing that's been helpful for me with Facebook is, I mean, now I have three Facebook groups, which is insane. But part of that is having to be really thoughtful about how much I, time I spend. And so mm -hmm. I literally have time blocked out for Facebook. And then other times I just completely log out and I took it completely off my phone. Mm -hmm. Just because it didn't, you know, I didn't want that sort of temptation there. You're so much more disciplined than I am, Melvin. I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. <laughs> no, it's been a process, trust me, because I think what was happening was like, I mean, I love connecting and all of those things, but I do notice that it drains me. And then the thing with social media particularly is it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, we live in this amazing time where like we are literally across the country, right? Mm -hmm. And we connected through a Facebook group. And I mean, there's so there's amazing opportunities to connect with clinicians, but the other side of social media is that you have to be really judicious because you can go down kind of the, the wormhole of social media. And before you know it, it's a couple hours and you're like, oh my gosh, where did the day go? You know? Yeah. But I think that when, you know, especially as an introvert, when you go on these groups, look for posts that that you're able to share your expertise. Mm -hmm. And as you're building, when you've got extra time, I've often said to people, you know, feel free to private message me when something comes up. Because again, that being of service and being a resource to people, and we all have these great bodies of information that we can share with people. And I think that as you continue to show up and be authentic, 
probably shouldn't even have to say this, but, you know, be respectful in what you say. Hold your judgment because people can get really snarky on social media. I don't know what it is, but there are groups that just have a wonderful flow and incredible support. And it's a way for people to start getting to know you. And there are ways that we can start making these small connections. And as introverts, that's what we need. We need kind of the repeated uh, contact with people until we start to feel comfortable and build that rapport. And we have so much to offer people. And that's one of the ways that you can really start building some great relationships with people. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, great tips. So number one, meet up over activity. Number two, Facebook groups. Uh, what about the third one? Well, this is not probably as ideal for introverts. But again, I think being a highly sensitive extrovert, which is very similar to the introverts just needing to watch for the overstimulation. I'm doing videos and podcasting and Facebook lives are really helpful. And I would really encourage introverts to think about podcasting because we tend to be pretty verbal. We think about things deeply. We usually have a pretty strong ability to express our thoughts and podcasting, you know, being a guest on somebody's podcast is a way to share our expertise. And so if there are podcasts that you listen to and you think you have something to offer, go to that podcaster's website and reach out to see about being a guest. I'm almost hearing the dread that I could imagine. I could never do that because so much of my narrative was about, you know, I don't have anything to say. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. I have nothing unique to say. And I think especially being new to private practice, it takes a while to work through that. And if you surround yourself with people that have strengths that are willing to mirror your strengths back to you, mm. because I can tell you, Melvin, you know, I've been sitting on a, a podcast for almost two years now because of that. I don't have anything to say. And it's taken me almost two years now to, to find my voice and to really start to recognize that I have a lot of good information to share. And it's time that I step forward and do that. I'm so glad you said that because even for me, there's honestly, there's no logical reason why STC exists. And even with this podcast, like I sat on it for six months for the mm -hmm. very same reasons you did, which is felt like I didn't have anything to say. I felt like this would drain me, you know, and as with anything, it takes work and effort, but there is something neat about podcasting that, I don't know, we, it feels in a way like we're just having a conversation over coffee. Mm -hmm. Whereas I can do, I've gotten much better at doing videos and webinars, but there's still a little bit of anxiety that I feel in those mediums, maybe because the camera's on, that I don't experience with just doing audio. Mm -hmm. You know, I just found a great app. It's called Marco Polo. And it's kind of like FaceTime, only it's not live. And even if you only do it with yourself, so it's an app that you download, and then you put it on and you record yourself. So you're videoing yourself. And then if you have someone that you can polo back and forth. But what I found is I, I have a friend that I do it with. But every time after I polo her, I always listen to the polo back. And I think as introverts, we're in our head a lot. The noise is just huge. And I'm sure that people have had this experience of, you know, you tell someone you're nervous or anxious and they go like, I don't see that, you know, because we contain it and it's all internal. Nobody sees it externally. Mm. But having the opportunity to consistently watch myself after I do these polos, I'm getting a really different experience of myself because I'm not in my head. I'm outside of my head. And it's been a great reality check. And I find that it just helps to simplify what's going on, like to see it from the outside. I feel like I'm stumbling in being able to articulate why it's been so helpful. You have to get over that seeing yourself on video and the judgments that come up. But once you can move past that, it's a pretty powerful tool. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned Marco Polo because Allison Perrier, uh, shout out to Allison, she introduced me to it like probably a couple of months ago. And so we pull mm-hmm. back and forth, but I'll listen to my own things that, you know, uh, sometimes I'll send her. Mm-hmm. And my internal dialogue is, Mel, you sounded so dumb. Like, Aww. but then I'll listen to it and I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. You yeah. Know? So it, it is interesting. So. I think it's a great reality check, you know, for that internal noise that we have. Then you look at it externally and it's my experience is it is so different than how I experience myself in my head. Yeah, no, very, very valid point. Patricia, I am just so grateful for you. I'm grateful for your heart. I don't know, this topic I've been wanting to do for a while and we've connected and I was like, you're the perfect guest for this. So thank you so much for doing this. Where can folks learn more about you and the good work that you're doing in the world? You can head over over to my website at www.patriciayounglcsw.com. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes page, which you guys can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session dash 171. Patricia, thank you so much again for doing this. Melvin, thanks so much for having me. It's really been an honor to be here and share this time with you. I, I just, I know I keep saying it, but I love the work that you're doing. You are making such a difference in the world for folks. So thank you. You're so welcome. Take good care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Patricia. And especially if you lean toward more introversion and the thought of doing traditional marketing methods has just been intimidating for you. I hope that today's podcast session is just a, a wonderful source of encouragement for you. Again, Patricia mentioned a number of tips and resources, and I put them together on the show notes page, which you can find at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session dash one seven one. And uh, I was reflecting on this conversation with Patricia, and all I wanted to say was Jomo. That's it. Jomo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know. On a serious note, I, I just think the joy of missing out. What a just a nice reframe and just owning that, that all of us need time to recharge and refresh. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your, any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day and I'm so grateful for you. Take good care. Bye. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.